eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to an off-season edition of Spits and Suds. Really, there is no off-season edition when it comes to Spits and Suds because we're excited to give you a deep dive on some of the things that happened this year with the Stars, some of the things that can happen in the future with the Stars and the NHL. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm also joined by EP Ringside, Chap Shots. He's our NHL guru, D Magazine. He's got a book out called We Win Here. That's a terrific Father's Day gift. It's always great to talk to Sean Shapiro. How are you, buddy? I'm pretty good, Gavin. It's... uh Obviously, unfortunate the stars aren't here, but uh, I'm in. I took a I took a three mile hike this morning outside of uh, really? outside of Vegas. Yeah, took a three mile hike with a buddy outside of Vegas. I got to see uh, watch the sun rise up early okay. because the time time difference going from Florida to to Vegas, the time difference like you're up, you go from Eastern time one day to Pacific time, and all of a sudden you're up at five a.m. and not really sure what to do with yourself. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. So I am a former Vegas resident, so I am going to guess that that was Red Rock Canyon. We did Red Rock Canyon today. Yes, yeah, we did. Yeah, it was a uh, was a. I mean, really nice Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Lots of other people are working, so no one else there. Nice and quiet. It was really. Uh, it was a, it was a nice trip. So nice I tell nice people, hike. I tell people when they go to Vegas, um, they're like, "What did you like about living in Vegas?" I was like, "I love the hiking," and they're like, "What are you talking about?" Like they think that I was like hiking like in the back of Caesar's Palace or something. They don't realize because you're so <laughs> focused on the strip, and rightfully so. It's like you take whatever transportation to the strip, park yourself, walk up and down, drink, party, and everything like that. But there is such – it's such a beautiful community that I don't think people realize. It's a terrific place to live in so many ways, and one of the features, Red Rock Canyon. And uh, only a couple hours away on the way to Utah is the Valley of Fire which is another mm. which features like petroglyphs that you can hike to, which those that don't know, those are all Indian markings. And uh, Red Rock Canyon's gorgeous in so many ways, terrific paths. I'm so glad you uh, checked that out because it's a Vegas that a lot of people don't see, Sean. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you, you show up in Vegas and it's uh, the airport is 
they got the slot machines in the airport the minute you step off and everything and it's uh but it there's the night it's it's a really nice area out there and i would suggest uh anyone if you're, if you're able to go check it out so I, i'm also fascinated and you know i don't want to put the cart before the horse like we know the Dallas Mavericks did when they were planning out the parade, which all cities do, by the way, they have to. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just about, yeah, it's just about how many people you involve and how many people Yes. Uh, over and how many people uh, and who starts let, letting things slip. So. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fascinated where the parade would be because I'm guessing it probably would be up and down the strip. However, you know, this Vegas team is so local based and, and and that's one of their mantras is Vegas born and, you know, locals go to the game. So, you know, they're based primarily in the western part of uh, Las Vegas in a master plan community. Summerlin is where their practice facility is. Um, so I'm fascinated where the parade would be, but I'm guessing it would be somewhere around the strip. It'll be right down the strip. I mean, now how long of a parade and. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm curious of that, but it's, it's a, the league in the NHL. It's, you know, the parade is going to be, they want the moment of the Stanley cup paraded down the strip right in front of the, the fountains. Like, you, you know, yeah. that's, you know, that's yeah. the iconic imagery the league wants. I mean, the league, when the all-star game was in Vegas here, they did the, the thing that, that, that event on the fountains, like the league from a league and team perspective. And, um, you, you talk about an iconic like sports image and you also talk about like the NHL got here, got to Vegas first. That's why the Raiders, uh, the Raiders are actually kind of get frustrated with that. They're now the Raiders are a transplanted team and not a, a local, grown team but um it's uh you you have to for the golden knights to win and have that iconic image first and be they've really leaned harder to be in the first league and team and market that really embraced the city and took the so-called risk of being here and uh that image i'm sure bill foley will will want that that, that that'll be up everywhere of Mark Stone hoisting the cup on the in the parade past the fountain as it's going in the background. So regardless if they win or not, and I think they will close out the series at I think some so point. too, yeah. 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 Um when we take a step back, Sean, and is it too early? I was thinking the other day, is this one of the greatest starts for a franchise when you look at All Star Game being there, which makes total sense, but then the two Stanley Cup appearances. And the success, uh, both on and off the ice, the community involvement. I mean, it's just, it's been so massive for hockey, I think more than any of us anticipated. Yeah, I, I mean, so Vegas winning the Cup in year six, it would be, um, if you use the modern, it would be, it'd be the second fastest a team has won a Cup Um has has won a cup in the non second fastest NHL franchise has won a cup in a non um in a, in a, in a, in the in this in the uh, post expansion era like for example like I mean like the Rangers won the cup in their second NHL season but I'm not really like that's 1928 that's original six era yeah uh, 
But the, so the Oilers won the cup in 84, which was their fifth season in the NHL. Now the Oilers also existed before because they came over from the old WHA. So what Vegas is doing, um, when you apply the proper context, it is unprecedented. I mean, to, to win, to win a Stanley cup. And I, I really, I think they're going tonight's game five, but I, I really think Vegas is going to win, whether it's either tonight or in game six, um, to do it in six years, to do it this way. I mean, it, it is, it's the most impressive start to an NHL franchise. It's the, there, you went to the Stanley cup final in year one, you, you have are always in, you, you're in every big trade, you're in every conversation. I mean, this is a, this is a team that is going to turn into, and maybe already has for some people, I feel like it's going to be one of those like turns into one of like the black hat teams in the NHL because they are built for long-term success. They are built for long-term success. They have an owner who understands how that works and um and they didn't get it because and like to be clear on this Vegas team, right? I hate I I always hate when people are like, "Oh, they were gifted this team by the expansion draft or whatever." Like there's only six guys left from the expansion draft. Yeah. And like if some of those guys that are left over are Braden McNabb and like Braden McNabb and like, not like Riley Smith's a fine player, but like Marsha show on there. Like, what was that? Is Marsha show one of them? Oh yeah. He's, yeah. yeah, He's one of them. He'll probably, yeah. Riley Smith. I mean, they've got something like, but the stars have more players from that year left (laughs) over than Vegas has for Vegas first season. Great point. I I mean, it's, it is a, Roster turnover happens, and so this isn't this isn't because expansion rules or anything like this. This is because Vegas has decided to push the boundaries on things, push how they attack the salary cap, push how they're willing to do these things. Um, and also, they don't care about goaltending. And I like like I want to be clear on that, right? Like this team is going going to likely win a Stanley Cup with Aiden Hill and Net because. They decided after trying, obviously, and relying on Mark Andre Fleury early in the franchise, then tried the other big name goalie. They decided this year, like, okay, goal t- average goaltending has never been better, and so we can go basically steal the NFL running back by committee spot with goaltending, mm-hmm. and it works. And so that's it's this Vegas team is going to be good, and the franchise will be good for a long time. And I know that's going to annoy some people, but. They, they, they have potential to be one of the villains in the NHL, I think, because of that. We know sports are copycats. Do mm-hmm. you think if Vegas does pull this off with Aiden Hill that we might see a few teams try to replicate that strategy with stronger defense and average to above average goaltending? Um, well, I, I think someone's going to take the wrong lesson. I think someone's going to take the wrong lesson from Aiden Hill's play. I think someone is going to sign Aiden Hill starter type money and we'll see kind of what happened with like Darcy Kemper where Darcy Kemper was goes from Colorado to Washington and he wasn't bad in Washington but you're like you're watching him play and you're like okay he's not a five million dollar goalie and I so I I think people will I think Darcy I don't think Aiden Hill I don't think Aiden Hill will be back I don't think Aiden Hill will be back in Vegas next I don't think he'll be back in Vegas next year I think someone will sign him for more than He's worth to go be their starter somewhere. And while it's great in theory for everyone to be like, oh, let's go build a strong defense that allows this. It's not easy. Like this takes a long time. It takes time. And I don't, 
see the space, and this is going to kind of translate a little bit to our upcoming conversation in the show. It, it's not like all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can go out there and I can get an Alex Petrangelo as a free agent this summer. Like it's it's so it's not the um, it's a it's a it's a copycat league, but so there's some things you can't copy, and so sometimes teams make mistake and copy the wrong things or take the wrong lesson. And I think, and if this is if I think for me, if like I'm looking at this from a Dallas perspective on goaltending, right? I want I don't want to be the team that looks at Aiden Hill and says I'm going to pay him five million dollars because I think someone's going to do that. Um, some team, and good for Aiden Hill, he's going to make his money. Some other team needs to look and be like, okay, how do we find the next Aiden Hill? And that those are the those are the things that I think should be lessons that should be taken, and whether they will or not will be. Uh, It'll be interesting. So the theme of today is probably the most polarizing topic of the Stars offseason, and that is Ryan Suter and the future of Ryan Suter. And I wanted to kind of go back to the beginning, Sean, because I think that's important because, you know, when you look at social media, you know, Ryan Suter's terrible and this and that. Um, So let's start at the beginning. So Ryan Suter weighed from the Minnesota Wild. And this yeah, is bought out. He's yeah, bought, bought out, out, yeah. Sorry. Yep, bought out, waived, and Minnesota is still paying out that contract. So my recollection is is that there were a bunch of teams interested in Ryan Suter, one of which were the Dallas Stars. And when that happens, kind of the bargaining position goes to the player more than the team. So why did Ryan Suter choose Dallas? Did you get that perspective? And mm-hmm. at the time, what was the thinking of the Stars to bring Ryan Suter in? Well, it's so the Stars Ryan Suter got bought out. He had a pretty bad contract. Minnesota needed to clear its needed needed to clear to clear they decided to move on from Suter and Zach Parisi bought them both out after they had signed matching um, contracts like they did. And, and Suter was, when he signed the con, he was uh, 34. No, he was 38 now. So he was 30. He was 35. 30, yeah, 35 because it was technically a 35 plus contract. Um, and Ryan Suter had a lot of interest across the NHL. Ryan Suter was still seen as a viable defender. Um, it was really getting him out of Minnesota was more about moving on from him from moving the culture to a next step and getting an opening. And uh, cause like Studer would have been signed through 2025. That's Minnesota was just, they, they needed to get out of the, they need, they need, they needed to move, be able to move on to start opening some things for some other difficult decisions, how to make sure money bills for cappers off, things like that. Um, but so Suter as a hockey player was still highly desirable by NHL GMs. Lots of teams talked to Ryan Suter. Um, there was some teams that had more interest than others, but at the end of the day, um, Ryan Suter basically was looking to sign something for something more than one year. He didn't want to do what that, like a Corey Perry did here in Dallas where he signed for one year or something like that. He wanted more, he wanted more term and most teams were willing to go to three years for Ryan Suter. 
the money the stars gave him is about what the market rate was dictating. But Dallas was the only team that was willing to go to a fourth year. And that was uh that was a selling point. That was a selling point for for Ryan Suter and um, obviously you pick you also pick because for hockey reasons but in general when you're looking for the long a longer term deal and the only team that gives you a four year deal is is one that fits you that also fits you hockey wise you think then you're going to side. So it was it was really about Jim Nill being willing to give a fourth year to Suter and it was also about the uh the flexibility of like he gave him the Four years, full no move clause in a state with no state income tax, like, and someone who had played in Minnesota who had had state income tax and all that other stuff and everything like that. So, uh, he gave him like end of career security. That's why Ryan Suter picked Dallas. Now, the Stars picked Suter because they were, they really weren't, they were getting ready to kind of, the defense was transitioning. They were in the spot where they weren't really sure what they had and they needed kind of, they needed a solid transitional piece of a, not transitional in hockey goes, but like transition of an era. They needed a veteran who could kind of play in that spot and be there for a couple years to allow the torch to be passed from whatever happened after John Klingberg left. And to be clear, I think Ryan Suter's actually done that I, I think that's fine like year one and two haven't been nearly as bad as the social media hate and everything like that like obviously he had some bad moments to playoffs. so we've talked about those quite a bit but for year one and two he's been he was a fine player but and this is what we're going to talk about today quite a bit it's he's still signed for this season he's still signed for next season he's got a salary cap hit of 3.6 million these are the issues because whether you want to, it's, it's easy to be like, Oh, Suter sucks. Suter sucks. Suter sucks. Whatever. He actually hasn't sucked. He's been, he was okay. He had a bad playoff. He had a bad end of the playoffs this year after a really good start to the playoffs, but he wasn't nearly as bad as vitriol is, but 23, 24, 24, 25 signed with a $3.65 million cap hit. This is where we run into the problems. And this is where I want to talk about, a lot of the nuance that's important here with this. So let's get into it and yep. let's talk about a potential buyout. And I know yep. stars fans will say, well, absolutely. That's the right move. And the question is, is whether stars fans like it or not, like you said, Sean, Ryan Suter at times, you know, has, has been good and has filled that gap and want to point out time on ice over 20 minutes a game. So to just buy someone out and say, okay, well, we have some cap space. Well, does my question to you is, does it alleviate enough cap space so that you could bring someone in or replace Ryan Suter and fill that time on ice? Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah. So it makes sense too on the, um, on the, on let's the hard numbers of the cap space. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk that first. So if you buy Suter out, um, now it's a typical thirty. It's it's not a typical thirty-five plus contract because um, it wasn't front-loaded. Um, it was that was I think this this was partially intentional. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't front-loaded with the um, if you front if you front-load a, a thirty-five plus contract, 
you're not allowed to you you have more harsh penalties if you buy it out. So if you buy Ryan Suter out, you actually save um 2.8 million against the cap this year and the following year, which is enough space to either to 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 make a to add a depth piece to the roster. It's enough, but it's an or add enough add add a depth piece to the roster. Um not a major piece, but a depth piece. It also gives you a little bit more wiggle room because the stars are going to be closer to the cap than people realize next year because of all these performance bonus overages. Um, and then it costs you um, and for the 25-26 and the 26-27 season would cost you $1.43 million against the cap. Um, obviously, you don't like that, but for me, I, I look at this from an economic standpoint for the stars. Next year, the cap's only going to go up a million dollars. Maybe it goes up the year after, but maybe it doesn't. Depends on the on the uh, NHL uh, on the on the player debt and the uh, and and whether we can get the, the escrow debt paid off for obviously the quick ten second quick tech set ten second catch up for everyone out there who doesn't understand how it works. Basically, NHL players and NHL owners fit split revenue fifty fifty. But because contracts have to be signed before revenue is known, players could make more players' contracts could represent more than 50% of revenue. If that's the case, the players then have to pay the owners back through escrow. Um, and it creates a, and and there's a, and that can create a debt. So and that debt has to be paid off. Did, did I explain that well enough in the No, you did. And you know what? It's something a lot of people don't understand. So I'm glad you pointed that out. So Basically, salary cap this year is only going to go up like a mill. Getting from from my money, it's not my money; it's Tom Gloria's money. But for spent for me, saving two point eight million this season against the cap is worth more than than losing one point four million during the twenty five twenty six or twenty six twenty seven season when we're going to see the cap finally, hopefully, jumping closer to ninety million a year because we're going to have these post COVID issues finally financially figured out. So the buyout part of it, like Ryan Suter's buyout, it actually makes economic sense to me. It, it does. Um, like sometimes people will say like, Oh, they should buy out Jamie Ben. Cause they get angry at Jamie Ben. Like buying out Jamie Ben makes no economic sense at all, but buying out Ryan Suter actually makes economic sense. Um, replacing Ryan Suter in the lineup and replacing his minutes and everything like that. And, I wrote something about this for D magazine with this podcast intentionally in mind as kind of an accompaniment to to kind of go on all this, but um, to to replace, I don't know if you're you're not probably not going to be a place Ryan Studer's minutes in game one of the season. Um, I'm not even, I'm not even like highly sold on this free agency class that you're going to find some really good options in free agency. Um, Damon Severson was probably the best available free agent on the defensive side, and he's already gone to a smart move, but one of the smarter moves by Columbus in an off season, when they've made some questionable ones, uh, where Columbus has, uh, and Severson's in Columbus now. I, but I'm okay. Like I I'm willing to live with short term, the stars being worse on game one of the 20 of the 23, 24 season being worse in game one of the 23, 24 season, because I believe Ryan Suter being gone will make them a better team in game 82. And as Vegas and Florida have shown us 
the regular season is a secondary thing. The most important thing is how good are you in after, from game 82 on? Have you thought about moving him to a third pairing? Or is that too tough a salary to have as a third pairing defense? It's not the salary. Okay. It's not the salary. It's the, but it is the, but it is, it is not possible. And here's why it's not possible. Okay. And I would love to be proven wrong on this because I very much, I think there's a high possibility the Stars will not buy out Ryan Suter. I think there's a high probability. I think like Jim Neal the other day said that he wasn't doing anything right now on it. Or And, and but I, I think there's a high probability it won't happen. But here's why. There is an ideal role for Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter can play on the third pair. He can play 16 minutes a night. He can kill penalties. But Ryan Suter is the coaches have their favorites. Ryan Suter is one of Pete DeBoer's favorite players. He trusts him implicitly. He trusts him completely. And as much if this was a video game, Gavin, if there were no human emotions. I would say it's great. You can keep Ryan Suter. You can just move him to a third pair. You and I can go plug in the PlayStation right now, mm-hmm. and it would work, okay? Yep. Um, but when you have the human emotion of it, of Pete DeBoer trusts Ryan Suter, Jim Nill trusts Ryan Suter, when it's a 3-2 game in the third period, a coach is going to go to his favorite guys. When... He's when he's giving when he when he's thinking when he's looking for solutions, you come in with rose colored glasses on. We got to do this. And so while you can technically do it, you could move Ryan Sear to a third pair. You could deescalate his role. It's not going to happen with the stars coaching staff and with this management. It's not going to happen. And that creates the problem where. I do not see a world where you can have a successful long-term build on your defense for Thomas Harley and Nils Lundqvist with Ryan Suter here. And I think that's the biggest, that's the most important part of this, where um, Nils Lundqvist, you know what, playing Suter and playing Suter second most minutes in the playoffs this year, um, Lundqvist being a healthy scratch in the playoffs, this year, that was fine, okay? I don't like that, that, but this year that was fine. It was the right decision in the playoffs. That's what happens. But there's no excuse for that in the next postseason next year. You need to play Lundquist. Lundquist needs to be, you need to find out if you actually have this guy you spent a first round pick for. You need to play him like you paid for him. And you need to have him do that. You need to have him play elevate starting low on the lineup, then elevating up. You need to have him playing on the power play. You need to grow that confidence for your supremely talented young offensive defenseman. Thomas Harley, to me, is already the star's second best defenseman. I don't, I mean, it, it depends on how you want to make up. I think there's a couple different ways you could build the star's ideal defense. And either way, one could be Harley and Hayshkin together for like the, we call it like the Megatron pair. I don't know, whatever, something fun like that, right? Where they can yeah. play together or they could each anchor their own pair. And I love that. Um, those are the those to me are two of the most important things. Thomas Harley and Nils Lundqvist taking the next step and being your two and your three in your core behind Miro. It doesn't happen with Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter takes power play time. He takes minutes. You could say, oh, we'll start Lundqvist on the third pair and elevate him. If Ryan Suter's there, he's blocking the elevation. Um, and on top of that, Suter 
refuses to play on his offhand too. And so if you put him with Miro, Heishkinen has to play on his offhand. And now I don't have an issue. Heishkinen is an elite player. can play on either side. It's not bothering Heishkinen either way, but when you're basically, (laughs) when, 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 when you're, when you're putting every, when one player's stubbornness and inability to play on one side impacts others, you're becoming a less dynamic team. So Ryan Suter, if you and I are playing PlayStation and we're trying to win games, this is fine. You can keep them on the third pair because I can just move them down and the video game little character doesn't yell at me. Yeah. But you can't do it on this team. You got It's one of those where you got to rip off the Band-Aid. You have to go and do it because keeping him, keeping Ryan Suter, blocks too many things that you need to happen at. Game one, the stars will be better. But by game 10, when Lundquist is ready to move up in the lineup or... Or Harley has shown um, Harley has shown that he is even better than I. Maybe he's even better than I said. And all of a sudden, you have like, ah, how do we get in? And as that happens, and then we know, talking to people from Minnesota, if you try to de-escalate Suter's role, he is not great at taking that. He we've seen he doesn't deal well with criticism in general. He sulks about things he has in his career. I'm I'm not. I'm just. It's just. It's this is things I've heard about his about him from teammates and it's you got to rip off the band-aid now like it's i know jim nil is a very loyal gm he signed him and i would be and i and i wouldn't be and and because of that i would there's still pretty good odds they won't buy out suitor but sometimes you got to make the decision and you got to do what's best for your team and you have to take away it's 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 like being a parent and having a kid where it's like I don't want the kid playing with that toy. Well, if I just take that toy and hide it, they can't play with it and they'll pick something else to play with. And that's how almost how Jim Neal has to treat Pete DeBoer here, where if he takes Ryan Suter away from him, he can't play him. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, you had mentioned Vegas at the start of the podcast, and that's where you are for the Stanley Cup, and you talked about their aggression over six years. You look at the stars, and the question is, is, you know, a buyout of Ryan Suter would be an aggressive move, and I like that kind of move. But mm-hmm. if they don't do that, Sean, there's another problem that creeps up in that minus Joel Hanley, everyone's under contract. Now, normally that could be a good thing as far as defensive pairing, but we did see uh, in the playoffs, teams take advantage of the Stars' decor, I, f- I thought. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I thought they should improve on is 
you know, physicality and getting pushed around and the deep forecheck. And, and that was, you know, you yeah. looked at the playbook of each series and, you know, let's start, you know, where do we want to start? Seattle. And, you know, I mean, the, the goal was to pin the stars in the, in their own zone, uh, you know, specifically, you know, focus on Hashkinen and, and others. Yeah. So, so I think that's something that I'm worried about, Sean, as far as, and getting to the Western conference finals is amazing. Yes. However, you need to make those improvements. And we saw what Vegas did with the tough moves with flurry and, and, and other moves and, and trading favorites like Reeves, who they easily could have kept on the team. Like others <laughs> like that. Okay. Yes. I, I, there's so many favorites out of Vegas that have been traded. And I love I how you go to ride Reeves. You could even like flurry. Uh, the so fact just, that you have not stopped by the Ryan Reeves brewery with all your time in Vegas, Sean is, <laughs> is disappointing as my spits and sets co-host. <laughs> I'm sorry. Max Pacioretty was a tough decision. Let's just say yes, that. Yes, uh, yes. I'll use that as an example. And other populars, <laughs> other popular figures other yeah. than Ryan Reeves. <laughs> so I say that as those are aggressive moves. And I just, I'm just going to take a step back and play the fan here. And the guy, I just don't mm-hmm. want another year, Sean, of saying, well, we're cap strapped. We can only do so much. Because that's yeah, been a narrative that we hear year after year. Well, and, and my thing is, is like, let's get rid of the situation then as far as being cap strapped. And I believe, um, I don't know if it's like this free agency class is not good. So it's not like there's anyone where I'm, um, there's not anyone where I'm like, okay, I need to buy out Suter or whatever to, to sign that particular guy. But I do think there's a lesson here of, Look at Vegas and look at the Barbershop trade, right? Um, the Barbershop trade is, it was a team saying, okay, we need this to go get this. If you buy out Suter, you let Joel Hanley walk because I think as I think Joel Hanley is going to demand more. I don't, I think Joel Hanley is another person who is a great number seven, but I think it's time to let someone else pay him to be a third pairing guy. Um, I know this is very Bill Belichicking of me, but it's very like I think part of it. There's I agree. a reason that it's it's how you it's you have to make those tough decisions, and I want either that space to bring back a forward, or I want that space that two point eight million dollars in cap space for the trade deadline. How often do we hear the deadline like this year, bringing in Domi and Dadanov? Those are the pieces that help to get the stars closer. You're right. Next, like I, I, I want that. Whether that cap space is used in in July, or whether it's used in February, I want that cap space. And to me, it's it adds another thing, another space that you can create. Where another space where you can create the, uh, where where you can create that by buying Suter out and getting that done, and getting yourself that extra wiggle room for that move that maybe you don't realize. Maybe maybe you do need someone. Maybe you don't, but if you have completely cap strapped yourself and a lot of teams will be cap strapped because of how, because of recent finances in the NHL, having that little bit of space is everything. So I, I start to go down this where I look at, I look at the stars kind of defense and you talk about making that move and everything like that. How, How did Florida get to the cup final? How did Vegas get to the cup final? They mo- they made bold moves. They did. They weren't 
they both made bold moves. Obviously, Florida with the Kachuk trade, Vegas with all the things they've done. And Jim Nill has shown he can prove a team that is consistently that is consistently a contender and consistently around. But what was the last like what was the last bold move? The Sagan trade, right? Like is like yes. realistically, like like bold move that came with risk. Let me yes. let me put it that way. Cause like I know people will be like, oh, you try you signed Joe Pavelski. Joe Pavelski was a free agent. You didn't like Joe Pavelski was gonna sign somewhere. Um at the like, time that absolutely was a risk, uh trading for Tyler Sagan. Correct. Yes. And the Tyler Sagan trade. And you're willing to make that blockbuster. And you're willing to do that. And and you and I this to me is the GM, the GM who wins the cup this year, whether it's Vegas, likely or Florida, will have been willing to take risks. And I think you take the risk that I think you need to take a risk with this move. It's um like if you want to be that team winning the whole thing, if you want to do that, you you have to I think you have to think a little further about this. So to summarize. Mm-hmm. Sean would like a buyout of Ryan Suter. However, yes. also mentioned is it's not a deep, unrestricted free agent class regarding defensemen. There are some names out there, like a Dmitry Orlov comes to mind, but those will come at a price tag. I think what, to, to explain it, let's compare it to football. To me, I'm seeing defensemen, especially premium defensemen, more and more like cornerbacks in the NFL. You know, when when they're out there, you have to pay a premium with quarterbacks, mm, yeah. cornerbacks. I mean, it is a premium yeah. position that you have to pay for, especially in the free agent market. And that's why Columbus, whether you agree with the trade or not, went out to get a defenseman from I, Philadelphia. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. who we talked about last week is a good defenseman, but, yeah. you know. I, I feel but like to be, to be quick, to be yeah. quickly fear Cliff fair to Columbus. Um, if you had laid out that Provorov trade to me last week and said you would also bring Damon Severson in yep. to, uh, now, I, I still don't like how much Provorov cost, but to be clear, I at least it's more palatable mm-hmm. from a defenseman building standpoint that you also got Severson. So I will be give that to Columbus. But once again, that is a that's an aggressive move, and they're correct, being aggressive correct. already before the silly season has yeah. begun. So you know we talk about you know a new coach coming in and a pair of defensemen. So um, it it is impressive. So. Uh, remains to be seen. I did want to touch on this, Sean, just briefly, yeah. because this has been about Suter, but a lot of concern about Essa Lindell because that contract's really kicking in right now and also has a no movement. Um, does that play a factor as far as the future? Because that's a much bigger cap hit. Do you think Essa, do you think it was injury? You know, I mean, tell us about what your thoughts are on Essa Lindell. Yeah, it's I. I didn't expect Lindell to. Uh, I, I didn't expect Lindell to kind of have this. How old is he now? He's he'll be he'll be thirty. He's twenty nine. I didn't expect him to kind of hit the. It. I'm not sure if it was him hitting an aging curve. I don't know if it was that because if it did, that's a little bit frustrating. He's one. He's one player who. He was kind of, he's a player who I think he's, he can play in Pete DeBoer's system, but he's a player who was also, I think, built for other, other coaches systems they've had in the past. And I think his kind of, 
his lack of an exact fit in DeBoer's system to start and kind of the in that space, I think was uh, kind of played into it. Um, he's someone who I, I do believe can bounce back. And I'm not sure if that's me being overly optimistic on that one of it, but like I look at, I, I, I think Esselindel bouncing back to form from two years ago, I don't think is, is, is a crazy, crazy consideration. Um, I'm also, I look at him compared to, I look at him compared to other player defensemen on the market. And it's not like I could go out there and um, it's not other, other, it's not like I can find an easy, easy upgrade. Like I, I think Esselindel can still be a top four defenseman on this team. I think that he can be a top four defenseman on a team that wins the Stanley cup. It's just going to be interesting to see how he looks after game 10, 15, 20 this year, because I mentioned earlier of how do you build out how do you take advantage of a potential suitor buyout? You do it with cap space, you do it with that stuff. And I think as we look at Lundquist and we look at Harley growing and maybe Lindell bouncing back, maybe your solutions are in-house. Maybe they are. But if they aren't, you have that cap space. This is all this all yep. connects, right? Okay. So it's it's uh I Lindell is also a player who he ices the puck more than anyone else. And, or he, he, I don't I don't think he did it this year, but in the past he's iced the puck more than he's someone who is, who is breaking through past coaching programming. He's never, he's always been the guy who you get the puck off the boards and out off the boards and out, chip it out, chip it out, chip it out. Occasionally he flips in, he flips, <laughs> flips in the high flip, which I would like to see him do way more. Um, yeah. But I, I think Lindell is a player that still needs to be reprogrammed by this coaching staff. And maybe you can do that. I don't know. It's not easy, but maybe you can do that. So I would still look at Lindell as a top four option. Like I look at this group, like I want, if I'm the, uh, if I'm the stars now, if you can make, if you can make a splash and find someone else to, to bring in, if you could find a, another player to bring in, but, with 82 games of growing into roles and 82 games of maybe readjusting to a system, I'm actually not completely scared by the idea of going to the top four of Hayshkin and Lindell, um, Harley and, uh, and, and, uh, and Lundquist. I'm, I'm not afraid of that. I, I think, I think if you gave the time and you were willing to have that patience and deal with some of the struggles early in the season for it, I think it would pay off. Now, that's the question is, are you willing to deal with the struggles early in the season? Yeah. Because there will be, there will be, it will be a learning curve. Size wise. Are we okay there? Um, do, do you I think, think I overrate that Sean? I don't think you overrate it. I, I, I don't think you overrate it. I think the, the Vegas team is hard to replicate Yeah, good because point. the Vegas team is hard to replicate just because, and give you know what? Give Kelly McCrimmon a, 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 a huge credit for this. With how they built it, all six of those guys, all six of the Vegas defensemen, they can all skate. They all move so yeah. well. Like that's the thing where it's not the size is important, but it's the fact that all six move so well, and they're basically they basically kind of created like carbon copies of each other. Where it's uh, 
they're like all carbon copies of each other with each having like slightly more skill, right? Where it's like Pachangelo has more skill than a Hague or a White Cloud, but at their core defensively, they're very carbon copy-like. Um, so I, I don't think it's possible to completely replicate the Vegas defense. And I don't think there's... Um, and and I don't think there's players out there that really that really fits that that size. I mean, the one that I would definitely be in on if I was Dallas, and this would also be, you'd probably have to make another move in addition to the suitor to buy out to do it. I would be, um, I would see if I could make it work. Um, look look at Ryan Graves because I think Ryan Graves brings that size and he moves well enough. He's mm-hmm. twenty eight. He's like, I think he's six five and two twenty or whatever. Like. That's that's one where if I could bring Graves in and buy out after a suitor buyout, and then all of a sudden I have kind of a, um, I all of a sudden have my six and seven competition is now between Hawk and Paw and Miller, or uh, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm happy with that. So, uh, but across this, like I think you want size. You want to bring guys in, but it's more it's more important that they're able to move because that's the biggest thing that you you watch that Vegas team. If you're watching that game tonight or you go back and watch any of that series, it's how quickly that that big D- Vegas defense moves. Yeah. Where it's like this this combination is not supposed to be consistent across the board. Well, we talk about size and we talk about big guys that can move. Hindsight's 2020, but you know, we get to play it. The only person that doesn't mm-hmm. is the general manager. Any regrets about Jamie Alexiak being offered up in the expansion draft? At the time, I mean, yeah, it was a big yeah. contract. Um, I think I think if if my recollection is correct, here's what I'm thinking. At the time, yeah. the thought was still to put yeah. John Klingberg under a long-term contract. Yeah, I don't think the yeah, like it's they're definitely hindsight's 2020, like. I definitely would have rather brought in, rather signed. Um, I, I rather would have signed Jamie Alexiak than having signed. Like I, I thought, letting Jamie Alexiak go for what he signed for at the time was fine. Like I, I thought that was the right decision at the time. Um, now you look back at it, and you're like, I would have much rather had Jamie yeah. Alexiak over having overspending the combined that you spent on on Hawk and Pa and, and Suter. Yeah. So I would, so yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, it's, it's the interesting space too with, with Lexiak and like, I mean, let, let's just go down this slight wormhole too on, uh, on, on kind of the concept of overthinking things and everything like that. Um, do we really think like one of the reasons that, and, and it's not that the one thing I wonder on is did the stars make a mistake in trading Jason Dickinson to Vancouver to, because they were worried about losing him in the expansion draft. Um, I, I sometimes come back to that and I, and, and I don't have a defined opinion on this, Gavin, like mm-hmm. it's as we, like this is literally people are literally going to hear my brain go back and forth at the same time here. So hold on, everyone buckle up. Um, like Jason Dickinson, you thought you were going to lose him in the expansion draft. You were convinced you're going to lose him in the expansion draft. So he's like, okay, let's trade him. 
So we get something for him. And I think they got more value for Jason Dickinson than he probably was worth. It was not a bad, like, let's let's go down the, like, Jason Dickinson. It was the, what was that pick again? Let's see, I got to pull it up here. When he was drafted? It was, no, 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 for oh. the, for when, when they when they trade him to Vancouver. Oh, okay. They trade, yeah. So Because Jason traded, Dickinson, for reference, was the pick, I believe, from, yeah, when Boston. The Yager trade. The Yager yeah. trade, yes. Yeah, yeah. But so in, in, in 2021, the summer of 2021, the Stars traded Dickinson to Vancouver for a third-round pick. And um, it was actually decent value. Um, the Stars used that pick on a prospect named Martin Martino, who, I don't know, maybe becomes something. I mean, he's a point-per-game scorer in college as a as a 20-year-old, so maybe becomes something. But um but by trading, but they were so scared of losing. You're like, okay, we got to get something. We got to get something. And they're like, okay, by by trading Dickinson away, they basically opened it up to um the best option to take from 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 Dallas was to go and sign Alexiak and and, and sign him and use that as the pick. And that's and that's fine. Um, but if the Stars don't trade Dickinson. And if they just let Dickinson go for free, quote unquote free, in the expansion draft, maybe they're able to sign Alexiak. Maybe with Alexiak not being able to sign with Seattle before July 1st, he sticks around in Dallas and something comes together there. I don't know. Like it's this is, as I said, I don't have a definitive opinion on this right now. This is me just literally throwing crap against walls about a Jason Dickinson trade from July of 2021. It's an interesting (laughs) perspective because, I mean, I think he would have been tasty in the expansion draft. Because at that time, you know, I mean, he, he was playing pretty well. And, you know, oh, yeah. he was a good two-way yeah. player. Yeah, and Vancouver Vancouver acquired him and then protected him. And he was someone who teams really liked and um, was cheap and honestly fit a lot of the mold of the type of players Seattle took mm-hmm. at the time. So Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, let's get a plug in for the book. It's called We Win Here. Father's Day is upcoming. Uh, Sean Shapiro put all his heart into it, and uh, (laughs) it's a badass book. And you can tell from the Amazon reviews. So I I keep talking about this story, and we are going to do a deep dive on Jake Ottinger in the coming weeks and his game load throughout the season and how that has to change and how that might have affected him. Um, By the way, congratulations to Jake Ottinger. Um, and his brand new fiance. That's pretty awesome to see. So one of the uh, aspects was, would there be a Jake Ottinger and you go into the book uh, because of Jack Campbell? And Jack Campbell Mm -hmm. was an interesting 
you know, a Team USA guy and high hopes. And uh, the Stars spent a first-round draft pick on him. The very next pick was Cam Fowler. And uh, as I've mentioned on this podcast, Frank Provenzano, the former assistant uh, GM of the Stars, points out, like, wait, what's happening? Why aren't we taking Cam Fowler? So there was Mm -hmm. discussion in the room, and uh, Jack Campbell was uh, drafted. And take it from there and how you discuss it in the book. Yeah, we've talked about this story before. I mean, where Jack Jack Campbell got Jack Campbell's failure in Dallas is a multi pronged thing. One was expectation was too high. Part of it was he was never really given the tools in in Texas to be successful. Jack is a very hands on goaltender. Um, he's someone who needed a goalie coach full time, and he didn't have one in Texas. And this was a space where the stars now have that and part of it is the stars failed and needed to learn from the lessons of how they poorly handled Jack Campbell's development to do the right thing for Jake Ottinger. And when Jake Ottinger came in, expectations were better understood internally. Um, what resources to give were better said internally. So obviously don't take anything away from Ottinger for his own part of getting there and kind of reaching a spot right now, but the stars would not have been equipped and have learned would not have learned from the mistake without learning from the mistakes of Jack Campbell. They could have botched the Jake Ottinger development pretty badly too. So, so the name of the book is uh, "We Win Here." Like I said, it's a great Father's Day gift, and I always like to support uh, Sean in his efforts. He's live from the Stanley Cup. You can follow him at at Sean Shapiro. You can follow him also EP Ringside Shap Shots. Look those all up, and you can search Sean Shapiro, and they'll all come up as uh, well as the article being released in D Magazine, so locally here in uh, DFW. So as I mentioned, we will do a deep dive into Jake Ottinger. We will do a deep dive in the coming weeks is prospective free agency, whether or not to sign Domi, Dodonov, sign both, or can't sign either. Those are the kind of deep dives we're going to do um, right here on Spits and Sud. Sean, you're a beast. Be careful out there. And thanks for joining us after a massive three-mile hike. Uh, Gavin, it's fun. I couldn't I couldn't think of a better uh, better conversation to have than after uh, some mental uh, clearing the mind and fortitude out there. So can't think of a better person to have a conversation with. Okay, so I, I'm sure you won't be getting out of Vegas tonight. What club is Sean Shapiro hitting? <laughs> uh, I'll be in the press room. I've got... Uh... <laughs> um, now, if, uh, if the cup is won tonight, one of the cooler things about... Um, one of the cooler things about covering the cup final just because of the nature of the logistics of it is um, now, obviously not till after a couple of cup passes have happened and everything like that, but you get do media availability is on the ice. And that's one of the, uh, one of the cooler things to cover is to it's you, you get to, you obviously respectful and, and, and you make sure you, you're respectful to players and their families and everything like that. But it is, um, if Vegas wins tonight, there'll be something really cool on the ice that you get to witness and document firsthand. So that would be, uh, that would honestly be fun tonight. Um, it won't it'll happen, be fun. But I think a funny bit, Sean would be after all the players like hoist the cup and management and everything yeah. like that. Then all of a sudden you like roll out carrot top and, you know, other magicians on the street, yeah. and everything. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, like hoisting the cup and, yeah. <laughs> Chris it's, Angel uh, hoisting the cup, making it disappear. You know, just just Vegas style hoisting the cup, a little different. <laughs> yeah, the one thing, like, and I I don't like when it's it happens on like I sometimes don't I don't I don't like the please like my sport attitude we have sometimes have about hockey, but 
I, I do think I, I am appreciative and I'm not going to rip on the NBA, but I am appreciative of the like I'm watching the end of the Denver, uh, the Denver, the NBA game last night. Right. And Denver wins and everything like that. And it's not even that like I'm not even like an anti Stan Kroenke guy. I'm not like so I'm, I'm not I'm not this is not anti Stan Kroenke, but it takes so much when all of us, when you're celebrating something and we've seen the guys on the, uh, and you've seen the players on the field and you've seen them and you've gotten to know them. And then the first thing about the title is the first thing we see about the title is someone who you have no idea who they are and they step out. It just takes so much air out of like the celebration, right? Like, it's not like, like say like the point, the point being is I really much enjoy how, when it comes to the celebratory nature, the celebratory nature and how it's done and everything like that i love that the stanley cup goes first to the people that we've seen putting their bodies on the line yeah. all year for it and it goes to them first um not saying obviously not saying owners aren't part of it or anything like that you need someone's got to pay the checks and everything like that but i really i i really like that about the stanley cup i like the i, I like the stories that get told right like the stories we can tell by like who passes the cup to who, how that happens. There's, there's full stories that we get to tell with the Stanley cup awarding that other sports. You just don't get to tell because it's a bunch of people crowding around a table and an owner stepping up to a stage who we haven't, who maybe only ever shows up if his team wins a title. So, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, well, it's going to be interesting if Vegas wins where that Stanley cup you know, ends up and down the strip. It's going to be uh, going to be fascinating, but uh, at the same time, uh, cool. So we'll see how Florida responds uh, tonight. It'll be a rocking building, and Sean Shapiro, our very own, will be a part of it. Thank you again, my friend, and thanks to all of you for listening to this special off-season edition of Spits and Suds. We're going to keep coming at you, so what you have to do in return is subscribe, like us, and please retweet us and pass on the word that even in the offseason, there's a hockey program for you, the DFW sports fan. A lot of people on Twitter ask, like, you know, well, we got to get rid of Suter. We got to get rid of Suter. Well, Sean Shapiro breaks it down better than anybody in DFW on today's podcast, and that's why all you have to do is forward and say, hey, give a listen to this podcast, and it explains everything. So for Sean Shapiro, I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Spits and Suds.